Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Mike McPeak, and with me uh, today is Jeff Sire. Hello, everybody. And Julie Keel. Hello. And this episode, we'll be covering the 2014 movie Robot Overlords. So the synopsis. Earth has been conquered by robots from a distant galaxy. Survivors are confined to their houses and must wear electronic implants, risking incineration by robot sentries if they venture outside. Um, can I just say this was like a tropetastic um, movie? Oh, gosh, yeah. Not and not that's bad. Tropes done right. I mean, you know, we've said it before. Tropes are the the shorthand for this is what's going on. We don't need to explain everything to you. Here's this trope. You get it. Let's move on. So it's not a bad thing, and it wasn't a bad movie. And I'm sitting there watching this. I'm going, you know, I start watching. I go, wow, that's that's Ben Kingsley. I mean, he's got some you know some cred to him. Right. And and then when the mother shows up, I'm going, damn, she looks. Like I had to do that too. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going. And I couldn't, of course, I couldn't remember her name. I'm looking at IMDb. And I, oh yeah, that's Julian Anderson, X Files. I kept thinking yeah. it was J.K. Rowling. I'm like, that can't possibly be. Who in the heck is this woman? I know this face. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I was having that deja vu. And like I said, I knew, uh, X Files, and I didn't was too lazy to open up IMDb at that moment to find out. And I'm going, you know, there's a lot of people in here that looks awfully like other people. No, it's actually them. But um, so we have a couple people in this movie that we know, and then. You know, and of course, in keeping with the tropes, you got the kids save the day. Um, oh yeah. None of oh, them boy. have, and none of them have established themselves too much yet. The the uh, the one that was in, uh, I don't have his IMDb in front of me, but he's in a few things that, uh, you know, people have heard of. And the rest are, you know, getting their, getting their legs under him. But you know, so there, there's a cast here of people that's reasonably interesting. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it. I was surprised by the cast actually because. It very much feels like young adult fiction. Um, it's very tropey, as we've said. It's very sh- shallow on the story level. There's not a lot of deep. I mean, it, this is not the thing you're going to ponder for a day or two afterwards wondering what was going on. I mean, it was, it was a fun hour and a half, and it was familiar because of all the tropes. And, you know, you definitely had the good guys and the bad guys and all of that kind of stuff. So, again, it wasn't a bad movie. There just wasn't a lot of, you know, to chew on. It wasn't yeah. a lot of meat to it. Special effects-wise, it was very, it's very amazing. Strong. Yeah. Everything from that Avatar guy, the mediator dude, the... For lack of a better yeah. term, child and or midget that like had a CGI face that was creepy as hell. Oh, um, good! It, it wasn't just me. Yeah, no. I, I'm no, looking at that this. was like intentional. Uh, uh, what are they? Uncanny Valley. Right. They, they obviously right. did that on purpose. Right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, and they they achieved it because it was creepier as, as not. I mean, it just you know bugged me. And looking through the trivia there, they used the same voice modulation as they did for Glados from um, the Portal uh, uh, computer games. And you know, I, I played them all, so I thought there was something familiar about. It. But yeah, that adds an extra level of of creepy to it. And I guess that was the idea that. Uh, you want to be creeped out by this, you know, it, and he, he's a midget, I guess. I looked at his IMDb page. He doesn't have a lot of stuff. No, but, but I don't think it's a child because he does have several credits no. to him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, th- that was the whole idea that you wanted to kind of be, you know, again, that's a trope. You wanted to be, you know, here's this avatar for the, uh, the aliens. You don't actually see any aliens. You either see their robots 
or you see the uh, avatar. You don't really see them. But you know, here's the thing. You know, here's a he's creepy. Aliens bad. You know. Right, and and th- uh, there's not much. I mean, we, we read the one sentence synopsis, and there you could possibly add two or two more sentences, and that would pretty much tell you the entire story, um, because you don't get a yeah. lot of backstory on the robots. They're just they're here on Earth to to learn, and nobody will be harmed. But obviously, everybody's being harmed, you know. So, um, you know, you don't you they establish early on that you can't trust the robots. But they don't say anything about where they came from or where they're going or what they're trying to achieve, you know. And and their ships look like Borg cubes. So speaking of tropes, yeah. <laughs> um, let's just pick up on the creepiness of a Borg cube. So yeah, um, and you maybe and you didn't really need it. Oh man, tropes too. Borg cubes, transformers. What else was in here? Um, the whole. Matter of fact, there is somewhere in it mentioned the the parallels to the movie Oblivion, where oh, yeah. you know the which we have done before, and yeah, the whole you know survivors or or resistance right. living out in the middle of nowhere, hoping to just ride it out that doesn't work, and you know yeah anyway. Um, well, also it's very English in that yes. they uh, they do the big thing of uh, showing the Spitfire and like it's a kind of. English pride sort of yeah sort of thing yeah very much so this is definitely a British film without a doubt um, yay for all of the accents <laughs> that weren't you know too bad um, and even the settings they were in castles and um, they t- um, what there was a, several things that uh, like, you know just, just you know. <clears throat> USA, Canada, and England all speak "quote unquote" the same language, but no, not really. Um, so, you know, some of those differences uh, in language popped up every now and then, which you know, to me, just made uh-huh. it authentic British. Well, and a shout out to the Druids too, because they go out there to visit their uh, their standing stones out there, where one of the you know clues is hidden that you know for the you know the resistance out there, and so they did it in such a way that. You know, he had to lay at the right angle and look up there to see the message that was actually printed out. And, of course, it's, you know, in code, uh, you know, several tropes here, you know, hidden messages, code, um, and you had to decipher it. And, you know, they're going to assume that the robots are just there. They're not going to bother to learn our ways. So, you know, here's a message in plain sight once you see it. With several nods to history as well. You just mentioned the Druids. There was a nod to the Romans. There's a nod to the Vikings. And so very much British history you know, nods, tropes. Um, so, yeah, again, and, and this one... Too. You know what this felt like? I didn't even think about it until you were talking about it. It feels like, uh, like in Canada, we get these things like uh, TV shows and movies that are kind of made just in order to get the uh, tax incentives and uh, grants that they give them. So they play into all of these Canadian stereotypes. Like it's a TV show that has a hockey player and a moose and like, you know, some French guy. Like it's just like they, they, they hit all of the Canadian tropes just so that they can get fun, the funding that they want. Okay, well, it let's hit that It felt kind of like a British version of that. Because I couldn't find any information. It, it said it had an estimated budget of $21 million, And from what I could see... It had a take of like eleven thousand pounds. <laughs> wow! I know. So I'm hoping we're missing some data somewhere. But ouch! 
Yeah. Well, they they may try to make it up though, because I'm looking at the Wikipedia page here, and it says something about uh, they uh, uh, acquired a somebody has acquired a rights to, to write a novel uh, based on the book, uh, video game, and TV series. So maybe. They have a, a longer range view of this, but well, and the flip uh, side too is if it was actually you know funded with grants or whatever, um, they could have been doing some work setting the groundwork for CGI skills or technologies um, because there are some fantastic you know CGI stuff going on with this one. It's the the ships themselves are amazing. Some the of the website, special effects, uh, yeah. the numbers said that it grossed six hundred and eleven thousand dollars. Six hundred and eleven out of twenty-one yeah, million. Yeah, so that's based on domestic box. Domestic box office was zero. International box office was six hundred and eleven thousand. Yeah. Uh, video sales. It just shows that it is for sale. It doesn't list any other money other than that. That's an oucher, and yeah. And given that there were zero domestic sales, I wonder if it was. Kind well, we of did watch. I watched it way. on Netflix. Did you guys see it on Netflix? Yes. Yeah. So they're they're getting some money from that too. Right. But uh, but even well, so, I mean, that wasn't even co- plus twenty one million for this. I mean, you can see where the money went without a doubt. Yeah. But that seems kind of high for a for a film that wasn't going to be released in the U.S. Or you know, I mean. Hmm. So, yeah, it, there's something – to me, there's a story there that we're not aware of that, that was well, funded for I'm, some reason other than to make cash. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I, like, I'm looking that, at the uh, – oh, Mike, Mike, go ahead. Mike. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say I'm looking at the Wikipedia page here, which I think may have been written by the production company. But uh, it does say the film was released on March 27th and in the U.K. and grossed only $4,000 over 30 sites on the – or four thousand pounds, roughly, right. on its weekend debut. Um, but I don't yeah, know what that but, means in the UK. I don't know if that's as yeah, bad as it would be in the US or what. Well, four thousand pounds is about six thousand well, bucks, six thousand Canadian dollars. Right. <laughs> so, right. But even uh, so, I don't know. Like in the US, if you're not talking millions, then you failed yeah. on opening weekend. I don't know if the UK has that big of a movie culture and a movie economy. I don't know. I don't. I. I, right. I don't know. But then they go on to re- uh, read the rest of this, the reception part. So they have some quotes in here from different uh, uh, ve- uh, different venues, whatever, different uh, organizations. So they, someone called it a beguiling homespun invasion tale. Another one calls it a great British sci-fi brand in the tradition of the classics, such as Quartermass and Doctor Who, packed with special effects and rebellious excitement. Like I say a fair amount of positive reviews, which makes me wonder if it's the – production company writing it but or it could actually be honest i mean i don't know this is wikipedia your guess is as good as any who may have written it but so if these things are even halfway honest there it was well received i don't see anything horribly negative in here no and honestly if i'd have spent seven or eight bucks to go see this thing in a movie theater i'd be fine with that i mean i just went in for an hour and a half of you know robot overlords what do you want it's called robot overlords (laughs) yeah Um, the title Title kind of says it all, and like I say, using our scale, Europa Report, and um, um, oh, this is dead smack in the middle. Sure, yeah, a, a movie whose name we shall not mention. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd like to say, yeah, it's right in the middle there. I shall not mention because, of course, it just slipped my mind at that very Starship instant. Starship Troopers, but you just didn't oh, want me to go God. off. <laughs> yeah, well, I just had to poke you there to yeah, get a response on you. I know, I know. 
Yeah, but this is you know not a not a yeah like I say not a bad movie, tropey, but in a in a I won't say a fun way, but I mean it was certainly you didn't yeah no deep thought required, but still <laughs> yep. you know. Yeah, no, I, I consider it a young adult movie. I mean, it feels yeah. like it came, it's like out of a, a young adult book. Um, well. And that with, you know, you know, that level of tropes and guy meets girl, you know, kids save the world, um, you know, I, whatever else I can't think of right now. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just kind well. of falling into some of those young adult tropes as well as just general sci-fi tropes. Well, yeah, and you said, um, um, you know, you said young adult, and that uh, made me remember here that one of the actors, uh, yeah, the one that, uh, uh, which character did he play? It's Callan uh, McAuffley. Uh, he played Sean. He uh, was in the movie I Am Number Four, which is, a, it, it bills itself as young adult uh, science fiction and that's uh, a, a book I've listened to and I think there's a series of books I haven't listened to all of them and I think that would be one that wouldn't be bad for our podcast at some time too but you know, so yeah and he's in that young adult fiction age group so yeah. uh, you know made me think of that but yeah I would say because even when the, somebody dies it's not like you know blood and guts it's just this poof and boom you're gone um, so I mean that's a relatively clean way to uh, get rid of somebody, you don't have like body parts fly- flying. Yeah, I, I didn't see a rating on this, but PG seems appropriate because you know there is no blood and guts. Yeah, it is no PG thirteen. PG thirteen. There's no even swearing. Okay, you got a middle finger at one point. I mean, that's about it. Oh, oh my god! I know <laughs> the horror. But um, yeah, PG thirteen, which kind of makes sense because it is a little, you know, science fiction. And you know, unless you're talking about the Iron Giant, usually has a little older, anyway. But yeah, no, this was good. And and the again, going back to some of the technology, you know, you've got these implants um, that are being used to control people. Essentially, it's a an ankle bracelet that they've embedded in your skull behind your right ear on most people, I think. Um, that flashes and whatever, and if you go outside, it triggers an alarm, and then these transformer robots come with their laser guns to shoot you. you got like 30 seconds to get back in your house. And people have been kept in their houses for a year or more? Well, I can't remember the time frame. Three yeah. years? I don't know if like? they say how long it's been. I thought somewhere, I, in my, and I can't quote it, but I thought somewhere they'd said something about maybe a year. Yeah. That kind of sticks up. It was long more enough than a for week some, or two. Yeah, long enough for some people, because the, the kids in this family, there was, I think their parents, what was the whole combination? The uh, Jillian Anderson and the Sean were uh, mother and son, and then the other two were brother and sister, I believe, and their parents had been killed, but she took them in to live with her. Um, and then... The little kid, where did he belong? He, he oh, his, his dad got killed at the beginning. Right. That's yeah, he's right. off the street. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
and there was there's all kinds of plot holes in that. You know, they've been indoors. You know, where's the food coming from? You're not allowed to go out yeah. to where the robot overlords near you. And it, there is a scene back to the young adult uh, tropes. There's a scene when the kids finally you know escape and wind up at a museum that has a, a gift shop slash candy store, and they go freaking nuts with the with the sweets. And I'm sorry, but if you have been in your house for two years and you find a candy store, you are not pouring that stuff in your mouth. You are hoarding every last drop of it making sure it doesn't hit the floor because oh, yeah. you know you are going to eat those things one at a time until you you know throw up but <laughs> you're not going to just be pouring them on the floor so um yeah there's the 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 you know the plot holes there with you know the the environment that they're living in and you know, and there's even some, you know, what they're they called goofs with, like if nobody's allowed to go out at night, why are their streetlights still working? Things like that. <laughs> so, or even the, you know, for people being inside, no maintenance workers. The streets are awfully clean. Well, yeah, um, yeah. Of course, yeah. If nobody's outside. Nobody's getting them dirty either. But you know, leaves, right. dirt, dust, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's plot holes, but uh, you know, like I say, I think it was. You get invested enough to care yes. about these people that you yes. look past it. Yeah. Yep. And that is one thing that this one does. This one does, I mean, not real deep because it's so tropey around the kids. But you, at least for me it was. It was like I can't, you know, really get too – I mean, if one of the kids got off, it would have been, yeah, whatever. But – um <laughs> What you got vested in was the story of, you know, people versus robots. You know, how does this, how does this end? How does, how do they fight back? How do they work through the problems that they're facing? So I, I, I wasn't really invested in a character, but I was invested in the story. Well, yeah, and like I say, uh, and they didn't. You know, elaborate on the characters because I think if they would have gone too far and tried to do too much character development, may have lost it. You had just enough to run with and uh, and care about them. And as much as there was one kid, you know, one character that was the hero, um, at least early on, to me, he was not the most interesting character. I mean, the little kid was the most interesting character to me. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, the 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 hero of the movie was the hero of the movie i just you know you knew that from day, from the time it started well, yeah and you know as long as we are throwing out tropes the little kid that just happens to have the one key piece of information to decode the you know the clue that they had about uh i don't remember what the clue is but they had to go find the standing rocks oh well you know the the druids and their you know uh stonehenge and whatever oh, and no that little kid had more than one key piece of information well, he had yeah. yeah the little kid you know who was the the history buff um, had several pieces, of, and so I mean, it played into that trope of, you know, the, don't discount the little kids because you know they can save the world basically. Because um, yeah, there were several times when that little kid, you know, was the hero. I mean, that's why, like I say, I never really got that invested in the actual hero. The little kid came through, gosh, at least a half a dozen times that I can think of. Um, so for, no. for me, he was he was the one. You know, he 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 came up with the fireworks. He came up with the um, um, name of the Silver Lake, the Latin translation. Right. You know, just things like that um, that he you couldn't yeah, leave and, him behind. And yeah, he marches in like uh, 
I don't know. I thought I had some thought of like Transformers or something with the tube stuck under his arm, just randomly firing the fireworks around there. Right. So. Yep. Yep. Little action hero there. Speaking of of um, technology too, we mentioned these, you know ankle devices except their ear devices or skull devices they also had this for lack of a better term we'll call it torture machine um Mm. you know it looked like a big alternator i suppose with you know infinity lights in it or something but um yeah that was an interesting thing i wasn't even sure basically the robots were here to suck all the memory all the knowledge out of our brains apparently and they could only do a billion people a year so it was going to take you know a handful of years before they could strip the earth clean and move on to the next destination is at least the interpretation I got out of it um and so yeah they had this machine and I don't know if that was the machine that they were using to strip everybody of their memories or if that was just you know there for a torture machine well i mean the way it operated well what did it show like a, a couple minutes to uh you know, torture somebody like that. I, I don't know. I suppose if because there's an indeterminate number of cubes floating on, and you know, towards the end of the movie, there when uh, you know, at this point, people you're spoiled. Get over it. Um, when the kid accesses the avatar's uh, memories, there you can see all these different cubes flashing around there. So I suppose they have enough spread out all over the world so that even if it took a couple minutes for each. Uh, you know, individual to have their memory. So, but you you didn't see a line at this particular one, though, unless they just brought it in for some reason. Well, and it's interesting that if that was the machine that they used to strip people of their knowledge slash memories, and they also used it as a torture device, oh, whatever. I mean, torture just, what, moves you up the queue? I mean... Why did they even need their memories? I didn't... That's never didn't explained. That clear. Never yeah. explained in this at all. Nope. Don't I don't have any like, idea? Why bother to erase their memories if like why not just kill them? <laughs> well, it, because I think they wanted their for whatever reason they wanted their memories before they killed them. But that was what was happening. They were stripping their memories and then they were dead. Or no, yeah. they stripped their memories and they didn't die immediately. Did not kill them, but they made them essentially into vegetables and so they get to starve to death slowly because they couldn't even feed themselves. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's just say as cultural anthropologists, these guys suck. Because um, usually, you know, you're supposed to go in there and find out about the culture, not find out about the culture and kill them. Totally you know? violating the prime directive, okay? Yes, just, completely, yeah. yeah. we got to introduce these people to Star Trek. They already no, copied no. their cubes. I need to read the rest of the damn <laughs> series to find out what's going on here, people. Um, yeah. Yeah, so like I say, the, the purpose of the uh, robots, uh, what they're doing here is, you know, a little sketchy. But it's, again... Just enough to keep the story going. You just you know they're here for to harvest us. Don't ask a lot of questions. Let's get on with the story here. Right. So I mean, it was a good story, and and you know the humans win in the end. Yeah, and there's the uh, you know again the the convenient trope that the, they don't quite they put the kid the uh, the main character into the machine there and it's interrupted so he doesn't get his memory wiped but he somehow makes a connection with the uh the machine yeah that 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 was never that was weird that that felt incomplete contrived yeah Yeah. incomplete or something it was like oh yeah we're okay complete spoiler here um the little ankle bracelets in your ear um 
basically how they circumvented them into uh, so that they could actually go outside and do things was they basically licked an electric fence. Now, they uh, zapped into a car battery and, you know, gave themselves a nice shock that shot them across the room, but that would disable these things for 13 hours. Um, so that whole process somehow jump-started this connection that the, the hero um, had with the machine so that at the end he could actually control the machines um, with his mind and, you know, win the war. <sighs> that was that was a little weak for me. That whole... Yeah. It, it, yeah. it was... It, it could have been a really good thing. It's, it's like, please tell me there were some scenes on the cutting room floor that, ex- that did a better job of that because it just... It it just was a little too. Oh yeah, this guy just suddenly got magical powers, basically. You know. Well, yeah, there so, was no explanations whatsoever as to why that happened. Yeah, <clears throat> and why it couldn't happen for the other kids. You know, why just him? Well, yeah, and I think it had the yeah the way they did it was a little weak because and I don't remember exactly what it was it was that when uh, the the little kid came in with his fire rockets and interrupted the whole thing um so he was interrupted mid you know torture whatever you want to call this thing mind sucking i guess so you know I guess you're left to assume that okay at this point he's hooked up to the machine uh they're gonna suck his memories and so he has this connection with the uh the other end of the machine or whatever the the workings of it and it's interrupted so that didn't get closed so his little you know you you know your ankle bracelet ear thing uh it then allows him to get connected to it because his the uh um, the cycle was never terminated uh successfully so there's still that link there and i don't know could they have explained that or even showed a couple things to clarify it without getting to uh you know techno babble in there yeah it you know, like I said, a scene or two maybe could have, you know, even though, you know, like, they wouldn't have to explain it, maybe just, you know, like when he hooks up at the end there, maybe this thing where he starts to connect, you see all this stuff, and then all of a sudden the screen goes blank, and then comes the kid with the fireworks, you know, maybe, you know, just edit it a little bit differently, it could have. Yeah, there was, it, 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 this was only an hour and a half movie, so it, it, to me it felt like they could have gone you know, a few extra minutes to explain a couple of things a little better. Um, but chose not to. You know, maybe they're shooting for that hour and a half, but oh. it wasn't, it didn't ruin it. It just made it weaker than it could be. Um, it just, it was like, you had, it was kind of a MacGuffin. You just had to take it at face value and let it go, you know. Right. Suddenly, gonna... suddenly this guy can control the enemy, the robots, with his mind. Yeah, and he just like stumbles across it. Yeah, yeah, I say it was a little weak, but you know, it. And of course, it's one of the the key points of the movie because then later on, yeah, he's able to control all this stuff. And um, I thought it was kind of a cool scene where he's sitting there writing on the the nose of that machine. Uh, oh God, ship. is that a Harry Potter pose or what? That's what it was. I yes. thought there was something that seemed familiar about it. Thank standing you. Standing for... on the broomstick at the Quidditch match. Yeah, no, I was like, ooh, that's way <laughs> too familiar. That that kind of got, that went beyond trope to copying um, just a little too much for me because it took me out of the movie. It's like, oh, no, that's that's Harry Potter right there. So Yep. Most of the things are wink and nods, but yeah. And once you said that, that did make that does make sense. That is just like blatant, 
that's not even an homage. That's like, no. hey, let's borrow something here. Yeah, it's like we. It's like they were on the same set with the same, you know, um, stunt men or whatever, and then just dropped in a different CGI, you know, uh, backdrop rather than you know a Quidditch match. They dropped in this Borg cube spaceship thing, you know. Um, so well, yeah. And the other thing, you know, you were talking about how they, uh, you know, made, you know, I won't say copied, you know, for most of us, uh, the, they had the board cubes and stuff. I just finally realized what the other one reminded me of. Those little guns that they had reminded me of the ones from um, Portal, the little uh, yeah. turrets. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I th- again, there was something I, I hadn't looked at those things. That, you know, there's that vague tickling in the back of your mind reminds me of something. What is? It? Yeah, I just realized that. You know, they didn't look exactly like them, but they were little turrets that popped up, and you could uh, point them around and shoot things with them, and were kind of stupid, um, and you know, easily mind controlled. So, uh, but yeah, that was another uh, homage that they threw in there. Right. Yeah, it's uh, again, it's not bad, and and we've mentioned before that you know. Tropes are, they're kind of easy. I mean, they're kind of a cop-out, but they're also make what makes movies comfortable, you know, familiar. Right. Um, and they do allow stories to progress faster than if you had to explain everything. So, I mean, I don't hate movies that use tropes, um, but um, they're, you know, it is possible to use too many tropes, and it is possible to cross the line from trope to copying. Um, and there was a couple of times in this one where it fell over into copying for me. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, those robots were like straight out of the Transformers. Um, <laughs> well, especially the way they kind of folded up into little yeah. boxes or whatever. Yep. At the very end, that when they won, they all just kind of, you know, went back into their original cube shapes. And I'm like, oh, really? All we need now is for little wheels to <laughs> pop out and Bumblebee is there, you know, right? But anyway, but yeah, now th- there was some interesting tech in here. I mean, the, the, the again, the spaceship design was familiar, but kind of mind blowing too. It was good. The the different uh, cubes with you know jet rockets underneath. They had a drill bit that was coming down. They had another type of spaceship that essentially looked like a key, you know, at the end um, that he was riding on that kind of fit into a slot in one of the the cubes so um i guess even the transformers themselves were kind of there were some some like robot you know uh like spidery robot looking ones as well even the uh for lack of a better term i keep calling them ankle bracelets behind the ear were kind of an interesting little thing they talked about how they were um you know watchmaker quality you know if you wanted to break into it but can can we just say that uh the way that they would shut them off of zapping yourself with a uh a voltage high enough to throw you across the room every 13 (laughs) hours yeah if it didn't kill you the first time surely it would feel it would kill you shortly thereafter yeah you can't do that repeatedly and have no ill effects well, yeah, and just and just the Pavlovian training of uh, you know response of all this, you know, you can only you know do that so many times before your even your mind is going. No, I can't do this. You know, you have to do it. But 
you know, you can test an electric fence by touching it once. Maybe you can convince yourself to do it twice. Good luck trying to do it three times that way. Uh, just the shock and response. So, uh, you know, if you had to do this for very long, I don't know if you could convince your body to actually go through with this. Yeah, and that it's not like those shocks got easier. Um, although, I don't know. I mean, the very first one that they did was kind of a, a happenstance that they did, you know, one that blew them across the room. After that, it looked like they'd maybe toned the voltage down so that they weren't, it wasn't quite as severe. Except where they go in the bowling alley where they go yeah, shooting that's down true. the lanes. Yeah, that was kind of awesome, actually. <laughs> yeah, kind of slash uh, awesome slash comic effect. Yeah, but yeah, actually, like back to that young adult thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... But yeah, um, I don't know. the The whole uh, survive in the wilderness thing too was um, that's a trope. Oh my gosh, um, we're just going to ignore the fact that humanity is being, you know, abducted by alien overlords, and um, we're just going to go live in a in a hole in the ground, and that'll be fine, right? It'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well. It- and like Ben Kingsley pointed out, or his character pointed out, that we knew you were there. We just haven't done anything with you yet. So you weren't, like, really hiding. You were just not there with the rest of them. They knew where you were at because they could see the fires. They could see the smoke. I mean, you have these spaceships orbiting the Earth. They can spot you. Uh, you may be hiding in a building there, but they can still see signs of activity. Right. And, I mean, there was an encampment there. Um, there was a uh, – uh, heck, I think they even had gardens and stuff. So – um, obviously, if you were flying overhead, oh my gosh, guess what? There's spaceships flying overhead um, that you could easily have spotted that. So yeah, it's, it's the level of, um, see that to me, that's what one of the other things that's kind of young adult. That's a very naive view of, you know, a survivor's camp. They had right. a mine. They had a hole in the ground. If you were going to be a survivor, you'd have gone into that hole in the ground and only come out under cover of darkness or, you know, camouflage right. or something. I mean, you sure as heck wouldn't set right. up tents outside. Well, you said camouflage. The one thing that kind of, I won't quite say bothered me, but I took notice of it. And for me to notice something like that in a uh, movie kind of says something. But uh, the plane, it they just had it under a bunch of tarps. They didn't really even try to, you know, throw some branches over it or try to camouflage it. So even if the uh, robots don't think a lot of humans, <coughs> excuse me, um, you would think passing over and say, huh, what's that thing down there? Maybe we should investigate it. Oh, it's a plane. Maybe we should crush it. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just their disdain for us, but I just that kind of drew me out a little bit. Yeah, again, that's a, just a naive thing for me. It's, it's like, yeah, no, not really. We're just going to let that one slide, but yeah, no. So yeah, I there and it those types of things. I mean, because the whole movie is like that, it's not like it's a slip up. It's not like there was one thing that they screwed up on and it was like you know obvious. That's why I keep calling this thing a young adult thing. There were so many times when there was naive things going on that you know you, you were taken down to that child level of. Just accept things the way they are because it's good. We're telling a story here, and the story's working. Right. So fine, whatever. We won't we <laughs> won't call them on the details. You know the fact that this really wouldn't happen this way, but that's okay. Well, yeah, and you know I think we're kind of the the point here where we would pick out our favorite tech. Now 
yeah, there are some things in here. Like I said, there's actually some tech in here. Um, Julie, do you have anything that you know you you look at and kind of oh, I'd like to have that besides the Spitfire? Oh um, yeah, that too. <laughs> which I speaking before we go there, that's another trope. I think that whole you know old school Trump's new um, yeah, type of yeah, thing. Totally. Yeah. You go back to the to the old stuff, and that will take care of the the robot overlords. Okay, what tech do I want? Hmm. Hmm. Um. There's something to be said for a gun of whatever sort it was, phaser, laser blast, whatever that completely disintegrates people and leaves no remains. Um, oh. It's like, oh, just that's clean and neat and handy. Look at that. Um, <laughs> Where where did that person go that I didn't like? I don't know. I don't know. We have no evidence. You can't prove a thing. They must have left town. Yeah. No. These, these aren't the the droids you're looking for. You know. Uh, oh my. Yeah, I know. So I mean, because I do not want an ankle bracelet behind my ear. I do not want a transformer robot. I do not want an an, an avatar for. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll take the, the Spitfire and the phaser guns, I guess. Uh, Jeff, was there anything that tickled your fancy? Well, I don't know that it's tech or more like fantasy, but I, I'd love to mind control any machine at will. That would be fun. That's true. Yeah, you kind of went for mine because, you know, the, I've operated lots of machines that, you know, uh, skid steers, swathers, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, at some point, if you're doing it really well, you kind of become part of the machine. And so just to be get rid of the physical part and just think the machine, you know, that would be kind of my thing, just to be able to sit there and uh, be able to sit in my chair and turn into a vegetable, I'm afraid, and just be able to control the machines. That's kind of one of my uh, mine too. But, you know, uh, if, barring that one, I think I might take uh, – oh, the robot sentinels were kind of – were kind of interesting. They were, if nothing else, it'd be a fun piece of sculpture to have in the front yard. <laughs> you know, scare the, scare the neighbors or something. Um, and you know, and Julie, you know, you said something about, um, you know, the old time trope. I was when I started watching this, I thought for sure, are we going to get the kill up with fire trope in here? Yeah, but I, I was waiting managed- for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. I wasn't the only. One. They managed to skip that one. Yeah. One of the few I think they did skip. Yeah, and they did substitute the rather than kill it with fire, we're going to go back to the old school Spitfire, which fire. So yeah, uh, fire explosion, propulsion, uh, projectiles. Okay, that all yeah. works. So yep. All right. Well, that wraps up uh, wraps up this episode of fi- Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can uh, check us out at SciFiTechTalk.com and pop into the forums there and take part in our conversation or follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have any ideas or comments, please send them to greetings at SciFiTechTalk.com and reviews on iTunes are always welcome. So, Jeff, where can people find you? People can follow me at Twitter at BroncoSire. That's S-Y-E-R. And Julie, if people want to know about your various endeavors, where can they find out about you? I can be found on Twitter at Julie Keel, J U L I E K U E H L. Links to other blogs, podcasts, whatever else I've got going on can be found at about.me slash Julie Keel. 
And if you want to know anything more about me, you can find me at uh, on Twitter at DSC Chipman, and I have my about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak, that's M-C-P-E-E-K. And next episode, we'll be covering the 2013 movie Space Warriors. A group of uh, kids space cadets must help uh, in the rescue of three astronauts whose ship got stranded in space. So kids are going to save the day again. But that's it for this show, and we'll see you in the future. Where she's wandering matter. Where she's wandering matter. It's the sci-fi tech. Where she's wandering matter.